Welcome to Rock That Relationship, a podcast about all things relationship with Corey and Tracy. Now let's get real and start creating relationships that rock. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Rock That Relationship. We're so glad to have you tuning in today. We have a special guest that I'm just so excited to talk to today. Her name is Lise Cartwright. She's the author of many, many wonderful books, but we're here today to talk about one of them in particular called Mind the Chatter. And the reason we brought uh, Lise on today is because you know, we've been talking about the healing process after a breakup. And part of the healing is trying to figure out how to move forward. And sometimes we get stuck and it's hard to move forward when we have negative chatter in our heads about certain messages about how we should live our lives, how we should show up in future relationships, and even how we should heal. And so today we're going to get to pick the brain and hear the chatter of Lise as she shares with us some of her thoughts on what chatter looks like and how we can uh, deal with it in the healing process. So Lise, thank you so much for being here today. We are just absolutely thrilled to have you. Well, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to chat to you both about this. Excellent. Well, you know, one of the things that um, that really drew me to your work was um, that you had written this book, Mind the Chatter, and really kind of came from this perspective of of having a chatter in your mind that you actually named. You named your chatter Neville and um, talked about kind of what does it mean when Neville shows up and how do you deal with Neville? So can you tell us a little bit about Neville, your internal chatter, and like how did how did Neville come to be such a presence in your life so much so that you actually wrote a book about about chatter? It's so funny because every time I have a conversation with someone about like Neville and and for anyone that's listening that's called Neville, it is not specifically <laughs> that, right? Like it's just the name that really popped into my head. And it came up, I started noticing it when I started writing books, right? When I started doing something that was so different to the norm. So I literally stepped outside of my comfort zone. So for context, I have no degree, literary degree in writing or anything like that. And that's, that's really what happened when I started writing and started going through the, uh, the actual book writing process. I noticed myself having these thoughts going through my head. And I will say I am one of those people who view the glass as overflowing. So I'm pretty (laughs) optimistic, all of those things. So it was actually unusual for me to have those thoughts and so unusual that I noticed them. And I was like, okay, well, what is going on here? This is really not helpful. It's making me feel crap. It's making me not right. And (laughs) so that was how I kind of started it. And then I started just kind of having a conversation with it because (laughs) I felt like it was such a foreign thing that I was just like, maybe if I just have the conversation with it. And so that's, that's how it started. And then I started working with other authors and I started noticing them having similar thoughts. And I was like, okay, I feel like, this, I need to share this. And that's how all of my, all of my books come to be is this, um, awareness and knowledge that I just want to share what my experience has been and then how I've been able to manage it because I don't, you can't stop it, right? Like that's the, the message in, in my book is mm. this does not stop. 
However, you, the conscious you, can manage it. So the name literally was just a name that popped into my head. Um, in, in the book, I talk about it that, you know, there was a, a, a guy that I went to school with. And when I say went to school with, I'm talking primary school, mm-hmm. who was kind of just this negative person. And his name was Neville. And I was just like, you know what? That, that name. So I'm not picturing him. I want to be super clear. I'm not picturing him when I say, when I'm talking to Neville, it was just the name that kind of stuck. That was just like, ah, oh, this is a good name. I needed something to differentiate from me was, um, yeah. So that's, that's literally how that name came about. So. That's the conversations. If if I re- wrote down the conversations that Neville and I have, it goes crazy. <laughs> that's your next book, though. That could be a great book. Did you um did you ever like do therapy? Figure out like did, how did you look into where does this chatter come from? Did you ever like? Does it matter to you where it comes from, or did you just kind of deal with it as is? I just dealt with it as is. Um. I don't know. And this, this is something that I've discovered in the, in the recent years, but I just seem to know certain things. And this sounds, it does sound, when I say it out loud, people just kind of, kind of look at me funny, but regardless of the fact, sometimes I just know certain things. And this was one of those instances where I was just kind of like, huh, okay. Every time I have this conversation with Neville and it's a very specific conversation, right? having the awareness of the the negative thought happens first and then going, oh, hey, Neville, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> nice to see you mm-hmm. um, type thing. Um, it was just something that I just did naturally. I So short answer, no, no therapy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> interesting. Because I think, you know, there, there's some, it's interesting because you say it started when you started writing. So I wonder if it's like a confidence thing or it's like a fear that you have. And I think for some people that stuff can come from, you know, childhood or things that they heard growing up and, or like maybe an ex-partner who got in their head, but it sounds like for you, did you feel insecure about the writing? Were you, did you feel like worried? Oh my gosh, I'm, I'm a, what is that called? Imposter syndrome or something like I'm going to put a book out and who am I to write the book? Oh yeah. Those are all (laughs) the things that were coming into my head. It was just kind of like, uh, Lise, what are you doing? Like you don't have the things that were coming through my head with, you don't have a degree in writing. I, and if someone picks up this book, like, are they going to leave a negative review? And mm-hmm. what happens if no one buys the book? Like then I'm a complete and utter failure mm-hmm. and I'm a, um, an open person. So, you know, I'm running around telling people that I'm writing a book. <laughs> I mean, you know, as I'm writing the book, I'm going, I've told all these people that this book is coming out. And what if it is complete and utter crap? So yes, those <laughs> were the things that were going through my head. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I, yes, I totally, I have had that for years. I've been telling people for decades, I'm writing this book and then I start it, write it. And I get, I totally get that. So I guess I'm going to have to, do these strategies I think will be super helpful rather than just you know deal with it put it aside name it put it aside or talk to it do you do you tell it to go away yeah so the way that I do it is I like I literally have it is it's a conversation I'm just like oh mm-hmm. hey Neville you know nice <laughs> to see you and then you know Neville's mm-hmm. gone off on whatever he's um said and then I've gone hey 
I totally get what you're saying. And then basically what I do is I stack up why I disagree, why I believe it's not going to be the case. And so in regards to the book writing, I had a coach, right? Like I was working with a coach. I had a program to go through. So I would, every time this, um, you know, those thoughts would come up, I'd just say, Hey, Neville, you know, thanks for, thanks for popping in. (laughs) Um, (laughs) here's why I don't think this is going to, I don't think this is something we need to worry about, right? Because Mm. I have a coach and I can, I've got someone to check my work. I'm working with an editor because one of the things that was like, that kept coming up is your writing is so badly. It's like, what are you, what are you doing? Well, as soon as I learned that it's an editor's job to make the writing amazing, I was like, (laughs) awesome. No responsibility at all. I mean, there is responsibility, but, um, so yeah. So then I would just be like, here's why I disagree or here's why I think we're going to be fine. And I just go blah, blah, blah. And what I noticed over the period of writing the book, which was 90 days, um, from start to finish, I noticed Neville not being as loud. Now he didn't go away and he's never gone away, but he's not very loud, right? Like it might just be like, Right. You know, like it's like a little, like this little voice. And I'm just like, Oh, hey, Neville. Yep. Totally got it. I don't, now I don't need to back it up with a whole bunch of stuff. I'm just like, yeah, cool. We're good, Neville. Thanks for just popping in. And for me, what I realized was this voice is that voice is the survival, right? Like it's our survival component that is here. To, like we need that voice. So it should never go away, but there is a time and a place where the voice is helpful and a time and a place where the voice is not helpful. And it's up to us, the conscious us to be able to make those d- distinctions. And so I realized that Neville was just he, really just trying to protect me. But I'm not in a situation where I'm out in a forest and there's like a tiger behind me, right? Like that's mm-hmm. what I want people to be super loud all the time. Mm-hmm. But in this situation, I was just like, okay, Neville, I'm, I'm good. Thank you. Like I'd always end the conversation with thank you for, you know, for caring, but I got this. And then I would just move forward. Now, like I said, doesn't stop it because you can't. It's part of who we are. We're not robots, mm-hmm. but. I found the reframing of this and that conversation process allowed me to just kind of go, cool. I would verbally speak out why I thought the, the, the reasons why I didn't think and agree with Neville. And I'd be like, yeah, that's, that's true. And then I'd move forward until the next time Neville popped up and then just readdress it. And I just, that process just became um, super easy. And it's literally a two minute process now that I have, that I just do it, it's done, dealt with, then I can move forward. Wow. That is absolutely, that's amazing. I mean, the fact that you were able to name it, engage with it. I mean, I think a lot of people just, you know, either just buy into the fear or Mm -hmm. they try to push it aside um, and don't really know what to do with it. And, you know, as we talk about in our podcast, we're, you know, we're looking at relationships and the negative chatter, you know, it certainly comes up in a professional setting. I've heard of, you know, lots of instances and even experienced instances of the po- imposter syndrome and, and those kinds of things. But in relationships, um, we, you know, often have our own internal chatter. Like we just got out of a breakup and, you know, all of a sudden this, this, you know, message or the chatter is you're a failure. You can't, you, you failed at this relationship and you'll be a failure in the future. You're not a good partner. You, you mess this up. You let someone go that you shouldn't have, you know, or, um, or even messages about healing after a breakup. Like maybe it's even beyond that. Like you should be moving on faster. Why aren't you mm-hmm. healed? Why are you so hung up on this person when they were so awful to you? 
And so these things prevent us from healing and moving on. So, you know, what kinds of, have you ever had any personal experiences with Neville, maybe even before you named him and realized he showed up in your professional life, (laughs) in your personal life, like around relationships or any, any of those kinds of things? Absolutely. There's one that literally pops into my mind. So, you know, I met my husband later in life. Like we met when I was 34, about to turn 35, um, which is not normal, right? Like normal, again, air quotes, because mm-hmm. what is normal? Um, but in my 20s, there was a, one very specific relationship that I can look back now and go, wow, Neville was 100% running the show there. And this is how bad it was. So I had stayed, I'd been in this relationship for four years. And for that last year, I stayed in the relationship because I had no idea what it would look like to be on my own. So I stayed mm-hmm. out of fear and all the things. Every time I would think about, um, you know, leaving or anything like that, it would, that would be the fear. Then when I finally got up, um, enough guts to leave. It took me three months because I was also, I was so consumed and so worried about this other person that I had to ensure that all these things were in place to support him. It was mm. Absolutely ridiculous. Now that, I, <laughs> that hello, that 22 yeah. year old lease, mm. um, you know, so I had all, I had to do all of these things. And then when I left, I almost went back. I almost went back where, because in my head, I was just like, oh my God, what have I done? I'm on my own. And I'm so glad that I had a, had a good support network around me. I did write a note and send a text message and, and said, I think I've made a mistake, but thankfully I had people around me just going, no, you didn't. Um, <laughs> I allowed them, you know, really, really lucky because I could, I could have ended up marrying this person and divorcing them um, in, you know, two or three years time. But yes, definitely that, that is the one that stands out the most where a hundred percent in so much in fear to the point, and I'm, I'm not too sure we're not editing this. So uh, I'm going <laughs> to say sexual warning coming up um, that, you know, to the point where that year, the sex was painful because I was mm-hmm. staying here out of fear. Right. And it's so crazy to look at that now and to just think that I was in that situation. And it was a hundred percent based on, on Neville saying all of these things. Definitely not a helpful, not a helpful right. Neville situation. <laughs> well, that, that is so, you know, so fascinating. Cause I mean, that's like, you hear about that, you know, people who stay in long, longer and they're afraid of leaving. What, what was it though, that helped you kind of confront that message and say, I got to go. Like I have to, like now is the time. So I, it was a, a combination of things. And I think the, the catalyst was up until that point and, you know, he, he was very controlling in a subtle way. Um, but I didn't, I never had my own car. And so I got my own car for, I can't even remember how, why I got the car. I think it was because my job had changed and I now, now had to travel and he needed the, the main car that we had. And I got my car and I had this sense of independence again, right? Like I felt independent and it just made me just kind of go, Oh, okay. I, I really like this. And that I feel like was the thing that just kind of culminated in me going, okay, I've, I, I felt so guilty, right? I felt this guilt about even considering leaving that that's why it took me 
kind of three months because I wanted to make sure, because he had his own business, I wanted to make sure that someone was there to help him with the accounting side of things. Like Mm -hmm. it's honestly ridiculous what I set up before I leave. But that's the getting the car was the thing that, that really allowed me to have that sense of independence where I felt like I could actually go because up until that point, I think one of the reasons was, well, if I leave, how am I getting around? Right. Like how, what does that even, not even realizing that I could have just gone and bought a car. <laughs> like, like, but these are the things, right? These are the, the thoughts that run through your head when you're in these types of situations and it's just, mm-hmm. you know, it's amazing to have the hindsight to be able to objectively look at this and just go, wow, I really just, and I have a really good family. My parents are still together, have such a good support network, but even with that, I still couldn't get myself out until that kind, until something was just kind of like, okay, maybe I can actually do this. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, it is so you, countering that negative chatter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it sounds like you had the negative chatter about whether or not you could make it on your own, but then the negative chatter about what you felt responsible to do in leaving him right. behind, which is also yeah. part of the, that anchoring back. Mm-hmm. So interesting. Um, can I just go back and I just want to clarify one thing for everybody because I am over 50. 34 is not later in life. <laughs> if I could be 34 again, I would be like, I'm the youngest person alive. Okay. I just want to say. Oh, absolutely. And for this me at that time, I was the only single person in wow, my family, yeah. in my, in my circle of friends. So that, that was right. Like and I, you felt the, like that's some chatter, right? Like, Oh my God, I'm the oldest person without somebody. Everybody yeah. else is partnered up. You know, absolutely. I think that's, that's something but, I was talking to somebody about today. You feel alone, right? You feel like I'm the only one. Yeah, I did. But I still, um, it didn't make me want to jump into relationships, right? Like I had been single when I met my husband, I'd been single for about five years. It's like intentionally single because I had had long term relationships all through my 20, twenties up until I I went overseas. So I went traveling for a couple of years, which was the best thing I could have done. And when I came back, I was like, okay, I am not going to, I would rather be single than replicate what I had in my twenties. So Mm -hmm. I'm just going to, I'm happy to be single. I'm happy to do my own thing. Um, I'd still have people saying, when are you going to get married? Or you'd be so Mm -hmm. great in a relationship. And I was just like, yeah, but that's not, I'm not just going to get into a relationship for the sake of it. So when I met my husband, it was, it was like really intentional and we like the, we just clicked. Everything just was just really, really good. And had I not had that time, I don't think I would have recognized that process, what that mm-hmm. really felt like, what it really felt and looked like to find that person. Yeah. Wow. Well, that's, you know, that, that's also part of what we talk about too, is a lot about intention, right? And, and making the space for the, the good chatter, the good thoughts, the good reflections, you know, and, and kind of being, being able to set yourself up for what you want to do next. Yeah. So, you know, as we, we talk more about this, you know, you've talked about how to eliminate negative chatter. Um, how you've done it, engaged with Neville in a conversation and that really there's not, you can't stop it. It's meant for like a fight or flight kind of survival mm-hmm. mechanism. Um, but, you know, 
aside from um, engaging with Neville, have you found found things that you can do in your life that actually reduce the chances that Neville's going to show up in the first place? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm a, um, I discovered human design probably in, in 2020 when, you know, the world went into craziness and at the time I was struggling to make decisions in my business, right? So just, which is not normal for me. I can make decisions pretty quickly, but I kept changing my mind and I was just like, what, like what's going on? And so I just remember Googling how to, how to make aligned decisions or how, how to make decisions that stick something along those lines. And this human design thing came up and human design is like a a personality profiling tool in its simplest form. It's very, it is very complex and the more I dug into it, the more that things started to line up. The reasons why things had been the way they were, you know, if we're talking relationships in my twenties, I could see it. I was just like, well, that all, it all made sense. It wasn't that I was looking at something that was foreign. Like it wasn't telling me anything new, but what it was showing me was why those things happen, but also how I could use the things that are naturally inherent within me. And so now when I look at my chart and if anyone's interested in in diving into it, I'm a manifesting generator, which means that I'm super multi-passionate and I'm all like all over the place, but in a, in a way that works for me. And then the reason why I don't think Neville really comes back up for me anymore is because I'm always following the things that are easy and fun for me. So I'm always doing things that are fun. I'm not doing things that are hard and complicated. And that's my biggest message from like when I'm coaching others is you get to decide what your business and ultimately what your life looks like. Nobody else. And you Mm -hmm. don't need what I'm doing, right? Like, you get to, you choose what it looks like for you. And it's really hard to, to get out of the conditioning that we have that I should be doing this. So that's the, typically the hmm. voice that most of my, um, coaching students and, and my members experience is I should be doing this or I have to do this because somebody said that this is the, the only way to do it or they've seen somebody else doing something so this has to be the way that they're successful rather than actually stepping back and going what am I just naturally good at yeah. how yeah. would I approach this and so I think for me that's really why I don't find Neville is very loud these days because I literally just follow my gut and that's as a manifesting generator, my gut is my decision-making process. And it's really easy for me to just kind of do that. It's not, not everybody has that um, what they call inner authority, but for me, as long as I follow my gut, everything always works, hmm. right? Like I'm not doing things that don't feel aligned. I'm my biggest thing is if it's not easy and fun, like why am I doing it? Mm-hmm. Why would I do something that is hard and complicated? It doesn't, it doesn't need to be that way. Now, what is easy and fun for me is different to somebody right. else, right? right? Something else, somebody else could do something that's easy and fun for them that could feel hard and complicated for me. So the human design component has really changed, like really changed my life, particularly from my business, from a business perspective, mm-hmm. because we are so conditioned that Oh, you have to like have a webinar or you have to have a podcast or, you know, you have to do all of these different components to be successful. When if you actually just did the thing that was easiest for you, it would work. So interesting. 
So your main focus of stuff that you've been writing about are the job stuff, right? Or career. I don't, I don't know if you describe it that way. You've described it as side hustles and stuff that yep. you're, you're doing a bunch of different things because that works mm-hmm. for you. That makes you happy. Mm-hmm. Like, did you ever think about this stuff in a relationship context before? Or, you know, that all the stuff you're doing in the, that arena, the work arena is applicable to relationships or do you Absolutely. see it that way? Absolutely. Yep. A hundred percent. So it's so funny. As soon as I learned about human design, I ran my husband's chart. (laughs) And I'm glad that I did because not only has it helped me understand like him, but from a communication process, right? Like I can now, like I move faster than he does. He needs a little bit more time to make a decision. So rather than me try and force him to make a decision because Mm. I want him to make the decision, I'm now like, okay, cool. I know that he needs to at least sleep on it. So I'm not going to try and pressure him into making a decision that isn't going to actually work for him. So yes, like it's Mm. everything that I do now is like it all, it all merges, right? Like you can't separate life and business, right? Mm -hmm. Like you can separate it, but when you work for yourself, like I do, I'm literally, I'm working in my home office. Like my, my husband's asleep in the other room because he's a, <laughs> he works at night. <laughs> I work <during> the- <laughs> um, and it's just, it's just, it's fascinating to me when you learn, the more that you learn about yourself and the more that you learn about how you interact with others, but also understand how others are. I find that I just have this ability to have more grace to not have mm-hmm. expectations from other people, to recognize and understand that they are human beings experiencing whatever their experience is. And who am I to come in and say, well, you should do it this way. That's mm-hmm. ultimately what it has helped me to do. And it's made me a better coach because now I, when I'm chatting to people, the first thing that I'm doing is getting them to, to do their human design chart so they can understand so that I can guide them to help them empower themselves to make aligned decisions, right? Like to actually just Mm -hmm. do things that are easy and fun for them. And that's very like proactive. Can you ever take that and look back and say, okay, well now I feel better about this relationship ending, or maybe I don't have to have animosity or anger at that person because I can look at it in this light. Like, do you think that helps you to like heal and move on? Yeah. Like if I ran into any of my exes, I would, I would, say hello. I don't think I would feel any animosity to any of them because I can step back and go, I can see, like, I don't blame none of the breakups. And I'm thinking to myself, did I actually, I, I broke up with all of them bar one, which is interesting. (laughs) Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't feel like I can look back and just go, okay, well, I can see where this person was. And a lot of it comes down to, we're just simply unaware, right? The less unaware we are of the thoughts that we're thinking, the more that those thoughts govern our actions. And Mm. so I could, I can eat like, you know, we're talking about that relationship that I was in my early twenties, a hundred percent driven by his thoughts. Like he was just Mm. operating from here. And unless you know, right? Like unless you have people around you and you know, he came from a really not so great background, doesn't have supportive parents, doesn't have supportive um, friends and, and that kind of stuff. So his experience was very, very different to my experience. And it doesn't provide excuses, but it explains a lot. I think mm-hmm. is kind of, there's never any excuse to treat anyone a certain way. However, I can look at things through that lens of, 
I understand why it was that way. And then you can not take it personally, right? That it's something about you that you can see. Mm -hmm. Okay. That I think helps counter that negative chatter. Like it isn't about me, you know, like if you, and especially for people, I think growing up in certain circumstances and having to recover from that, if you don't take it as a reflection on you, right. And you can see this. I mean, I always liken it to people are on their own journey, right. And our Mm -hmm. paths cross. Yeah, but I can't take what they're doing. And I'm not saying I'm always been good at this, of course, <laughs> you know, that, that it's not about me, right? Not that I can't ever fix, like show up better or be better, but that mm-hmm. when people are pretty awful, it's really about what's going on with them and, yeah. and like try to counter before that becomes negative chatter against yourself. You know, I think everything that you're doing for business is so applicable to the relationship arena that can save you so much suffering. And I talk to friends, you know, are going through this and I'm like, you're taking on and then beating yourself up. Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. We all have our own like responsibility for our own happiness. And I think the problem is, is that like our larger society doesn't depict it that way. It says, find the love of your life and they're going to make you happy. But no, (laughs) you have to make yourself happy first. And if you're not doing that, how can anybody else even um, meet up to the expectations that you already have? That was one thing that I like really realized going into the relationship that I had with my husband at the time. I was just like, okay, how do I want to ensure that I don't, I don't make the same mistakes. So Mm -hmm. I'm going to make sure that I don't sacrifice the things that I love doing just because he doesn't enjoy doing it, for example, or because I want to spend all this time with this person. So I'm just going to ignore my friends or I'm just going to cancel plans. I'm going to do all those things. So I made a very conscious effort not to do that. And I think by doing, and my husband never has never ever once expected me to do all of these things. It was, you know, it's just kind of the thing that sometimes we do, but I really was, I just made that real conscious decision to still do the things that make me happy. And I still do that to the, to this day, even when he is maybe not so happy. I don't get to tone down me, right? Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. he's not, mm-hmm. he's not happy. He never expects that either. He's pretty good. He's just like, Hey, I'm just, I'm having an off day. I'm like, cool. You can go in your cave and I'll go off and do all my fun, happy <laughs> stuff. <laughs> That's great. Wow. Well, excellent. Well, Lise, I really appreciate you being here. I know Tracy and I enjoyed this conversation immensely with you um, and all of the great strategies for really, you know, kind of, I guess, dealing with embracing in some ways that, that chatter that we have in our heads and thinking about how do we, how do we best make use of it? I mean, cause sometimes you're right. It does pose questions that you have to say, Hmm, I got to think about this. And sometimes you say, Hmm, just take a step back a little bit. I got this covered. Um, but, yeah. um, your strategies are fantastic. Your stories were great. We really do appreciate you being here. Our listeners are probably incredibly curious about how to find you and what kinds of things you're doing when you're not on a podcast with us and talking to Neville. So, uh, <laughs> let us know, what are you? up to these days what are some things that uh, you can share with them yeah absolutely well you can just go and stalk me um on my website which is hustleandgroove.com um but i do have an a get unstuck journal that might be helpful um to everyone so i'll I'll share the link with you guys but it's just hustleandgroove.com forward slash unstuck j but 
you'll have that in the show notes so you guys will be able to check it out. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if you are interested in the human design component, I actually have a, um, a quiz on my site that allows you to get your free chart. Um, so that is just hustleandgroove.com forward slash HD dash chart. And that will get you your free chart. So you can learn if you want to learn and dive into the amazingness of human design. <laughs> that is all there for you as well. That's awesome. I'm already looking at the website right now. It's I'm great. Taking some right now. I'm going to get on and do I my want chart. To, I want to do the chart too. Let's do I it know. now. I'd love to know. Yes, tell me when you do yeah, the chart. Yeah. Tell me what your what your life is because yeah. it's just it's so fascinating to me, right? Like just the understanding other people, um, mm-hmm. and it's helps you be able to communicate even better. Mm, great. Excellent. Well, it sounds like we're going to have a bunch of great resources in the show notes. Uh, so again, thank you so much, Lise uh, Cartwright, for being on our show today. And um, we hope that all of you listeners out there enjoyed the conversation as much as we did. So until our next episode, make sure to go out there and rock those relationships. If you liked what you heard, check out our show notes for resources from today's episode. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram under Rock That Relationship and go to our website at rockthatrelationship.com for updated episodes and more great information. Thanks for listening. Now go rock those relationships.